0: the week to you fight fans, I'm Scott Fontana, joined as always by my partner Dan Urban to talk mixed martial arts on the couchside judges. We had the big Stipe Miochich daniel Cormier heavyweight title trilogy wrap Saturday, with Stipe notching a clear decision at UFC 252. But while the result wasn't in question, the fight was not without controversy thanks to a nasty eye poke to DC's left eye.
1: There's always at least one eye poke when these two fight, so it's hard to be surprised Scott and I will break down what could have happened if the poke was handled differently by referee Mark Goddard, as well as offer suggestions for how to change the way fouls are penalized in general in the sport. Plus, we'll talk about the rest of the UFC Apex judging, as well as an unfortunate injury to rising star, Sugar Sean O'Malley. All right, Scott, let's just dive right into this contested rounds. You know, the final let's fight. Let's do it. Final fight of DC's career for Stipe Miocic, heavyweight title on the line. It just didn't go his way. Yeah, let's just jump right into it. Round one, how'd you see it? Round one, this was one of the closer rounds
0: in this fight here, and I had it for Cormier. What about you? Originally,
1: uh, last night watching it, I had it for Stipe. Watching it at my place for the first time in a while. Nice having you over. Yep, that was fun. Uh, So I had it Stipe uh, watching it live. I rewatched it today, and I, I decided to switch to Cormier. He didn't really do all that much landing, but the things he did land were really strong. And uh, I felt, you know, that was what gave it to him. I really didn't put... This was a close round, though. I didn't put much weight or as much weight as as some have in that final uh, sequence when Stipe seemed to get rocked a little bit. I didn't think it was all that big of a rocking. Uh, it was a strong strike, but I, I didn't think it was uh, close to a fight finishing uh, sequence.
0: Yeah, I didn't think there was... There was a situation where Stipe was in a ton of trouble i think he just got tagged you know it's like all right you got me yeah yeah and, and that was like that was a good way to obviously kind of seal up what i thought was a very close round but dc yeah when he landed he was landing with more impact you know the, the punches were coming a little better off of him i think yeah uh, steve maybe was still kind of trying to fight a groove who knows
1: yeah he had um, good body work it just his lands weren't as powerful as dc's I mean i don't think you
0: can go wrong as long as you did 10-9 for either guy here, and can kind of say why. I, I see the argument for both of them.
1: Yeah, close round. I mean, I scored but, it for both of them, so <laughs> I think I th- could defend true. each That's true. You one. see it
0: both ways, and maybe if you watch it again, you'll go the other way. Who knows? Yeah. It, but, you know, we, I mean, we do that. If we if we pour over these fights, it's going to happen. But also worth noting here, an eye poke, not the one that we're going to talk about later, not the big one, but this was the third time in three fights that Stepe has taken an eye poke from D.C.,
1: yeah, it just uh, it's just the way things go in these <sighs> fights. I mean, it happens. Something
0: needs to be done about the gloves, man. I,
1: we can, We'll get. I don't into know. That. I feel like
0: we can improve it a little bit, just a little.
1: Yeah, we we'll, we can get into that.
0: Uh, yeah. We'll get we'll get into it later, but yeah, that's yeah, yeah. something that I would like to. I would really like to see. But yeah, so let's let's talk about round two, though. Round two. This was a clear steep A round. We're not going to debate that yeah. because as close as it was for a while, near the end of the round. I think it was about ten seconds left. Stepe just tagged him.
1: Yeah, it was it was decent for DC. I mean, he was having an okay round until he got dropped and was hanging off for dear life under mount. It was like a three three quarter mount kind of.
0: No, it was it was the right hook to to DC that just kind of it, it put him in a world of trouble. He's kind of just on the retreat, and Stepe just follows up with like three more hooks.
1: Yeah, he was just bombing on him, and uh, that, clearly that gave him the round.
0: Didn't push it into a 10-8. It wasn't that kind of situation, but it absolutely stamped a big closeout for Stipe. Uh, Although we're talking about fouls in this fight, you know, because it's going to come up in just a minute. But in this round, DC ate a shot to the cup.
1: (laughs) Those happen as well.
0: (laughs) It's like, and I said this to you when we were watching the fights. It's like, essentially, you get two free groin strikes and one eye poke penalty free in mixed martial arts. It's every single fight. It feels like that. You know, there there are some really bad ones that we'll have from time to time and you know they'll kind of penalize it the first time, but you almost might as well put an overlay on the TV that says, okay, we've checked off the one free, you know, eye poke and you got still two more groin strikes before there's any trouble. It's it's almost like team fouls in basketball.
1: Yeah, before you get into the bonus.
0: I'm just I'm tired of it. I I really want to see more penalties there. But especially in round three, this was the foul that everybody has been talking about the eye poke to DC
1: knuckle deep eye poke. We found out it resulted in a torn cornea and, uh, that can't be, that can never be fun. So, uh,
0: uh, we've seen too many bad eye pokes in this sport. I mean, Michael Bisping, who also is a former champion slash commentator, just like DC.
1: He lost one of his eyes because of this. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. No one knew about that though.
0: Uh, It is. It's, that's scary, but let's take, let's, go through kind of what happened here so you, you mentioned obviously that it was it was a knuckle deep kind of deal it was right at the end of the round right at the end of a round which i thought Stepe was actually doing pretty well yeah. in this round
1: yeah i scored it for Stepe Bay this round he
0: easy call i don't think anybody could argue that dc took this round even before the poke um but yeah so just about 10 seconds to go and there's this poke here you know, watching live, I didn't see the poke. I don't know if you and caught it neither when we were did watched. I. I didn't
1: think you did. Neither did yeah, I. Yeah
0: that that was hard to spot. So I I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, Mark Goddard should have seen it the first time. It's like, you know what? These things are tough. It's tough to see in real time. It was kind of the beginning of a flurry of punches, uh, and and that's okay. I, I get that he missed it, but what bothers me is that we have no recourse really that is put into practice at least for review of these type of things you know in in nevada mark goddard can in fact review this strike and figure out if it was a poke or not without stopping the fight it's an out of nevada is the only place that you can do this but it still didn't happen because he saw it as just a punch but i don't think it should just be on the ref in the cage to do that i think there should just be somebody who's assigned outside the cage to help with this kind of thing just anything close you just kind of go back and look right
1: yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea to have a little bit of, uh, you know, a couple extra eyes on the fight.
0: I've been talking with officials throughout the country today, all, all all day on Sunday when we're recording this, and I've I've spent a lot of my day thinking about how we can improve this. And I, the, the thing that really sticks out is just you assign a second official, so another ref who's not assigned to the fight. There's always several refs, you know.
1: There's always a referee at the check-in point, too.
0: Oh, exactly. I mean, there's, there's so many jobs that these referees can do. You know, we, I, we've been to events, you know, I've been to events too. And I, you know, sometimes on press row. I've even sat next to referees who are just there between fights and they're just kind of chilling. I've, I've had conversations with officials that you would know uh, just sitting there while, while they're not really doing anything. You could certainly put someone like that to work and just say, here, you're sitting in front of a monitor. All you got to do is if there's a situation where we kind of want to look back at it and see if there was a foul, We'll isolate the video for you. We'll show it to you. You will confirm whether or not a foul had occurred. And then you can flag down the referee between rounds, not stopping the action, but just between rounds and say, listen, I see a foul here. You want to see it too. Then you can decide what to do with it. And if it's bad enough, they should be allowed to deduct a point no matter when in the fight it is. It just Just because it passed by already doesn't mean you can't penalize them later, right? Right. Especially in this situation, because there's only 10 seconds left in the round. I would like commissions to start finding an answer to this because it's it's ridiculous how easy it is to just get away with eye pokes. And look, Stipe in no way attempted to poke him in the eye. It's just one of those incidental things that happens because of the way fighters spar with boxing gloves on. And they don't worry about the extended fingers because they're in the boxing gloves. It does. It's just not a thing, you know?
1: I like your idea, but I think an easier way to do it is just get rid of warnings.
0: Well, I like that, too.
1: For certain fouls, like an eye poke, no warning, automatic point deduction. Especially at this level. Maybe at give a little, level? Bit, a little bit of leeway on uh, groin strikes, because, you know, sometimes it's just a grazing shot, and, you know. Yeah. So maybe give one warning on that. But I think for eye pokes, I think you can just take a point right away.
0: Yeah, I, I would be okay with that too. i'm I'm certainly okay with that, but especially because we're talking about fighters if if they're at the UFC level, uh you know or Bellator too, you know these are these are at the higher level. we've got veteran fighters here. The referees know that. they explain the rules in the back. It's the same rules everywhere. You're not allowed to poke someone in the eye and mix martial arts. It hasn't been that way for almost twenty years. you know it it shouldn't be that hard to just say you're not supposed to do it. Don't do it because we don't want someone to lose an eye. It's all fun and games so someone loses an eye. That's what they say.
1: That's <laughs> what heard, they say. You know, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> You've heard that one. Yeah, you
0: heard that one. I invented that one actually. No. Oh wow. <laughs> but I, I just I would really like to see something done. And you know what? I want to give credit to Stipe here because Stipe he knew he poked Daniel in the eye. He knew his finger got in there. And after that initial flurry. He didn't throw another punch.
1: Yeah, he didn't. Goddard
0: even that. said "fight on," and he really—you could tell—he just wasn't gonna do it. I think he knew what happened there. I think he said, oh, "You know what? I get it. That's that's my bad." And he was even apologizing in the cage. Stepe Miocic is a man of integrity, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yep, good guy, Stepe.
0: Oh yeah, and he's a firefighter. My kid loves that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, ultimately, I just—I really want to see something done uh, in the way of making it easier for. Someone like Mark Goddard to have someone helping him you know he's got a lot to worry about in the cage. It's okay to have you know to use a Batman analogy. It's okay to have Oracle in the back cave or or in the in the watchtower. It's okay to have Alfred in the back cave helping you and just giving you a little bit of information extra information so uh, but credit to Mark Goddard as well he issued a mea culpa on Twitter the morning after uh, he he knew that right after the fight when he watched the replay, he knew that he missed the call there he thought it was a punch it was not and he apologized to DC he noted this Mark Goddard is a good ref and I'm always much more willing to get past something like an indiscretion or you know some sort of controversial thing like this from a referee if they're willing to be contrite about it and just say hey I missed it I get it I can be better because that's what I would want to do. I mean, when I mess up, I try to I try to say, hey, I, I did it. Take responsibility. So credit to Mark Goddard. Yeah, he owned his mistake. That was good. Absolutely. And talking about the gloves before, too, I want to go back to that because because I mentioned this earlier and you, you obviously have some thoughts as well. But what do you think should be done about the gloves?
1: Anything, nothing or what? I think it should be on the fighter to keep their hands closed. I don't see a reason why you're pawing your hand out there with extended fingers. It doesn't make sense to me. If you're throwing, it's
0: range finding, is what it is.
1: Well, you you are not going to hit them with your fingers, though. You're going to hit them with your fist. So no, it, absolutely. So you should know how far you are away with your fist, not not your fingertips.
0: That's what I th- wish fighters would be able to practice more. But again, I think my understanding is, and I I have never actually trained striking. So you know, I've I've grappled before. Obviously, you know that. That's how we met. But I've never trained striking. So I I speak from only from what I hear. But my understanding is that. When fighters train a lot, they're using, you know, boxing gloves, closed finger boxing gloves, and they're not really worried about where their fingers are. They're not sitting there clenching their fist in the boxing gloves so much. Yeah, it's but... you kind of range finding with it. And if you train that way for hours on end, you're going to do it without those gloves on, too.
1: I know, but those gloves make you make a fist.
0: They do, but they don't make you do it by yourself. It's an automatic thing.
1: Yeah, your, your fingers are curved.
0: Sure, but but
1: you can't extend them either yes no I
0: understand that but the the point being when a fighter is training they don't even think about what their fingers are doing their fingers are just kind of doing whatever the glove sits them to do and whatever the glove sits them to do when they wear the open finger gloves is that it allows them to extend their fingers out
1: yeah it's still their responsibility in my opinion I'm not saying it's not I mean the, Trevor Whit- but, Trevor Whitman's been designing a glove that kind of uh would simulate that and keeps the fingers more crooked uh a bit facing That's downward, something like that. Uh, but, you know, as long as the dexterity of the thing, of the hand is not compromised at all, I have no issue with uh, that kind of glove being implemented. We had a version of that in
0: Pride. You know, the, the difference between the Pride gloves and the UFC gloves, I mean, anybody who's watched the sport long enough back to know, they can see the difference. And I don't think it dramatically, as, as an observer, affected the grappling at Pride.
1: I mean, it's already dramatically affected. There's just of course the, it just is. Just the I mean, glove it's by itself. Sport. I mean, the thing is, I I don't want to see striking fouls, solutions to striking fouls, take a negative effect on grappling. Who isn't at fault for it?
0: You, you're you saying because it's an, you don't want it to be some sort of uh, unwitting victim of the striking penalty. You don't want right. the grappling to suffer. Exactly. I get that. I'm sympathetic to that. Again, I appreciate grappling. I really do. Um, I'm. Probably more well versed in that than I am with striking. But if it's up to me, and I had to pick one, if I just had to pick one, whether it would be preserving the current situation of being able to use your hands in grappling, or to keep it so that people don't suffer detached retinas and and lose the use of their eye for the rest of their life, I'm gonna pick eye safety every single time. That's just me, and you know,
1: not me. I'm just I'm gonna fix it via uh, fouls. You know, immediate points taken away.
0: I want I want all of that. Like give give me the whole thing. That's what I want. But I, I do hope we can come up with something that makes everyone happy. I don't want I don't want grappling to suffer. I don't. I love it. But I mean you you, get, you think lose the something dexter- we can
1: do. You lose the dexterity in your hands, you can kiss Kamoras goodbye. They just never would happen anymore. I mean they don't happen that often anyway, but from top top position, you can get a Kamora. Those you know, are gone. off the top of
0: my head, I can't, couldn't say that I know how many times a Kimura happened in Pride or anything like that, but I feel like it must have happened several times, right?
1: Gable grip, rear naked choke from the back. If you can't have your full dexterity your hand, probably gone.
0: I don't know. I, I feel like there'd be a way, but people smarter than me and you who have engineering degrees should be sitting at home trying to at least figure out something.
1: Well, Trevor Whitman's doing it. I think he, he'll figure something out that'll work uh, perfect.
0: That would be nice. I I hope he does. But anyway, let's, you know, we'll get back on track now. Uh, Actually, before we do that, I did kind of want to do a a thought experiment here for, let's say, hypothetically, Mark Goddard did catch the eye poke, right? Totally different fight. Totally different fight. But here's what would actually happen. Either Stipe, you know, gets the same warning as DC did in round one, which is entirely feasible because, again, everyone gets one free eye poke. Uh, (laughs) Sadly, but true. So it seems. Or yeah, it seems. But and I know that's not really how referees treat it. But honestly, in practice, that's what it looks like. Um, or the other, the other option is yeah, Mark Otter can take one point, which would be my preference uh, in this situation because it was uh, it would left damage essentially is what it was. It wasn't intense, yeah. so you don't take two points. You just take the one point. Having said that, let's say okay that happens and the doctor is brought in to inspect DC's eye, you know, and figure out if it could have been stopped. Do you think DC is actually going to allow the fight to be stopped or do you think he's going to find a way to tell the doctor what he needs to hear so that he can continue fighting as we've seen time and again?
1: Yeah, he'll find a way. It's just that he did mention, I mean, that he couldn't see. So who knows if he would have, you know, been truthful to the doctor, probably not, but he did mention it to people that actually heard it. So,
0: yeah, well, look at it this way. If he said it out loud there and the fight wasn't stopped, you know, nothing, nothing happened, you know if the doctor came in DC is not he is way too smart to know that if he actually doesn't want the fight to be stopped he is in no way going to tell the doctor I can't see he no he won't shouldn't do it he shouldn't I mean if that's what he wants it's it's his body it's his last fight I you know I don't want him to get hurt but I I get it um so yeah so he would find a way to get out of it and and it's not like the fight would have been stopped anyway but let's pretend DC says I can't see doctor stops it. It's a no contest in this situation, but it would have been very close to not being a go contest because I don't know if you know this, Dan, but I was looking into this today. I was asking around and in a five round fight, according to the ABC criteria, fights need to go at least one second into the fourth round so that they can go to the scorecards for a technical decision. So even though this was about 10 seconds left in round three, it needed to go about 11 seconds longer to get to the scorecards, as weird as that sounds.
1: So no contest. DC goes out on a no contest. Trilogy never ends.
0: Yeah, and it's not that wouldn't happen. But what I think is so funny just about the idea that these technical decisions, the way they work, you need to get to round four, right? Let's just hypothetical here. We're, we're talking about devil's advocate stuff. Let's say it goes into round one, and there's all of a sudden a foul. It goes one second in, and they got to stop it. Judges would then be asked to grade that round which would be a 10-10. No one would give anything but a 10-10 in that situation. That's actually where you go put 10-10s. So then you still only end up grading the three rounds to begin with. I just think it's so silly that they can't just say, okay, three rounds have passed. Let's grade it now. And and even, even though it wasn't the end of a third round here, you could still grade that because it was almost a full round, and they would anyway.
1: Yeah, if you get the majority of the fight in, you should just go to the cards.
0: I, I feel like that too. I, I kind of get why they do it. They It's a title fight and they want it to be longer than a normal fight, but uh, it's stupid. Just a little tidbit for you guys watching at home. This happens very rarely, but I was at one event in Newark, UFC 159, where there were two technical decisions damn. Wow. Two eye pokes in round three. Ended up going to the cards. <laughs> that was a weird night. <laughs> Alright, enough of that tangent, though. That, that was enough. Uh, I think we've kind of Ad nauseum, this eye poke here, right? Yeah. Let's go to round four. Round four was actually a close round, though.
1: Yeah, close round. I scored it live for Stipe, and I changed to Cormier today.
0: I stuck with Stipe here.
1: See, I I thought DC landed better, uh, really snapping Stipe's head back. And he had solid answers to everything Stipe hit him with. So that's why I switched to DC.
0: It was definitely a a good round for DC. It was the last kind of stand that he really put up. Um, but he never really had him in trouble either. Did you look at the striking numbers, by the way, the, according to UFC stats?
1: No, I, I stopped looking at those. Well, I just think it's an
0: interesting kind of thing. It, it's it's not something that is available to the judges here, but it's something that's worth noting. DC, according to this, outlanded 41 to 23. Did it feel like DC was outlanding 2 to 1, basically?
1: Uh, I would say I thought he was landing like 1.25 to 1.
0: Yeah, I just thought it was a closer round than that. I I think Stipe was landing pretty well earlier. DC had some success late, you know, as far as kind of impact goes. And it really could have gone either way. Obviously, you waffled on it from where you saw it originally, too. So I I, I thought it was a close round. Yep. But actually, it's worth pointing out, too, that uh, I don't think we mentioned this in the first round, that the judges were kind of split here on both round one and round four. Going back to round one, it was... Derek Cleary and Junichiro Camijo, who gave it to Cormier, whereas Sal Diamato gave that one to Stepe. And in round four here, it was Derek Cleary who gave it to Stepe, and Sal Diamato and Camijo gave this one to Cormier. So at this point, it's tied on Camijo's card, but Cleary and D'Amato on their card, which is, you know, because it's two out of three, DC needs a finish.
1: All right, so what are you doing round five?
0: Round five, this was a Stepe round from all the judges. When I watched it live, I actually thought DC took it. I flipped on rewatch. I, I It was somewhat close, but I I don't think it was. I think it was a bad score by me to go all the way to Cormier because I didn't think he was in it enough on rewatch.
1: So, yeah, I, I did the same thing. I switched to Stipe today. I thought it was close round. I thought DC had good offense. I thought each guy was landing their strikes with similar impact. It was just that Miocic landed more, and that's why I won him.
0: Okay. Yeah, it, it doesn't really make a difference here either on my card or on the actual judges cards because you know dc needed to finish to win the fight and it didn't go that way so you know disappointing end to dc's career especially in light of the eye poke i'm sure that's not the way he wants to go out but you know it, i think he represented himself well in the sport i think he represented himself well in this fight uh, it just wasn't meant to be
1: not saturday night for dc great career uh i'm excited to have him back in the commentary booth when he's healed up
0: yeah we were saying how much we enjoyed uh, cormier in the commentary booth when we were watching last night it's like man this fight would actually be a lot better if dc was on commentary
1: yeah get rid of Cruz. i mean <laughs> God.
0: i like him in the studio he i don't like did, him in I, so. he
1: actually did okay last night but whatever he,
0: he honestly yeah credit where it's due i thought he, he did a lot better with the analysis which is which is his strong point when he starts to get into these tangents about the judging which he almost did in this fight he
1: couldn't help himself <laughs> he really
0: couldn't help himself and then <laughs> and then he kind of thought better of it that was funny all right. But that, that's enough of the main event. You know, there is another fight that we that was actually the fight of the night that we wanted to talk about. And that was the opener. uh, Kai Kamaka getting the unanimous nod over Tony Kelly. And this was a good fight.
1: Yeah, this was definitely the 50K fight uh, of the night.
0: And I'm glad they got it, too, because they, you know, they don't make nearly as much as the heavyweights.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, but round two. uh
0: Round two was, yeah. Round one. That one went to Kamaka, no one argues that. Round 2 is where it starts to get a little uh, hazier. How did you have it?
1: Yeah, I I went 109 Kelly.
0: Okay. Yeah. I actually flipped to Kelly today. I went Kamaka yesterday okay. originally.
1: Yeah, I mean Kamaka had a strong first half of the round, but I mean Kelly really poured it on. Uh forcing Kamaka to take, you know, take it to the ground and you know try to ride out the round it appeared. And he was eating knees and elbows and I thought it was pretty pretty good for Kelly.
0: I think I overvalued the grappling from kamaka which really wasn't all that effective whereas kelly he was landing a lot of impactful strikes you know especially like you said especially to close out the round you know he had those elbows against the cage and, and that kind of thing and, and even before that he was landing well so i i definitely felt good about flipping that way uh it was mike bell and tony weeks also had it for kelly here so that was actually the majority score uh, and Derek cleary had it for kamaka round three is Also a close round. And actually, it's funny because all three of the judges saw it for the other fighter that they had in the previous round.
1: Yeah, I did notice that.
0: Which is why they all ended up 29-28, but one of them had a completely different scorecard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which which was interesting, but also it was the scorecard I gave originally. But in round three, how did you have it? Who who did you give this to?
1: I gave it to Kelly uh, 10-9 to take the fight 29-28.
0: And I did the same, but... Only after I flipped.
1: I was I was Kelly uh, all, all the whole way. So.
0: No, I, I actually thought that it was Kamaka, Kamaka, Kelly, one, two, three. And now I have it Kamaka, Kelly, Kelly. So I, I definitely feel like it was a close fight. And there's certainly, you know, we're not going to use the R word, but it was a close fight. I don't think the right guy got the win, but I'm also not mad about it. It was a fun fight.
1: Yeah, it was a good fight. I mean, you know, Kelly landed really strong knees and elbows again. Good combos. Kamaka did well on the feet too. I don't know why Kamaka wanted to grapple so much because he was actually doing well on the feet. It seemed like maybe he just didn't enjoy being answered from Kelly.
0: I'm one. Yeah, I mean, it could be, but I'm almost wondering if he was starting to lose a little bit of steam.
1: Yeah, that's true too. But I mean, he was landing good shots himself.
0: That was that was the thing. Well, he was also landing pretty, you know, high octane shots. I think he put a little bit more into each punch, and I, you know, that's a hard pace to keep up.
1: Yeah, but, you know, 29-28 Kelly is what I thought it should be. 29-28 yeah, Kamaka isn't, isn't bad. So
0: No, it's not bad at all. This is a close fight. You know, Kamaka got the win. It was unanimous. You also, defer to the judges there. I, I'm happy deferring to the judges because they know what, what's going on. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, you know, I think that's it for the main fights that we want to talk about. There was a quick 10-8 watch that, that is uh worth debating. And this was in Vince Pichelle getting the unanimous nod over Jim Miller. Round two was the rounding question did you see this as a 10-8 or a
1: 10-9 I gave it 10-9 I think 10 is a bit of a stretch here
0: I also thought it was a stretch you know there was there was grappling dominance and damage I don't know I if kept, I would have checked the ration.
1: I don't even go dominance in the grappling I mean he wasn't no you don't think so he wasn't passing guard Jim was holding him there he wasn't doing that much damage till like the clacker went off and uh, I mean, he was landing good shots. I mean, it's likely a ten eight in the cr- in the couchside judges' scoring criteria. Yes, in our
0: system, I mean, absolutely. No one's going to argue you know, that Miller won this round. Sort of a ten eight and a half that people like to say.
1: So, I just, I mean, I just didn't see it.
0: No, I didn't see it either. Um, and that the ten eight came in this case from Eric Colone, whereas Sal D'Amato and Dave Hagan, they were the ten nines here. Um, I don't have a major problem with it. I don't think it's terrible. Uh, and I'm always, I'm always kind of up for more ten eight rounds, but I just didn't go that way uh, in this case. So
1: maybe they're going to start using the cat side judges criteria.
0: I sure hope they do. I, <laughs> uh, we can keep bumping in our show. I, I mentioned it to people when I talked to them in private. We'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. The, the wheels of change move slowly, uh, especially when anything government is. Involved and yeah. unfortunately, all commissions are run through the government, so that's how it is. State governments, uh, let's move on to lightning rounds, though. We just got two quick little rounds to kind of go over. Jarzinho Rosenstrike, he got the KO in the second round over Junior Dos Santos, thunderous KO, but round one was a very close one. How'd you see it?
1: Yeah, I went JDS, thought so he landed better. It was a calculated fight by both guys, you know, no one was too eager to uh, get into any big exchanges.
0: Absolutely. tepid round. I also went JDS 10-9. Derek Cleary, Tony Weeks also did, uh, whereas Rick Winter went 10-9 for Rosenstrike. And I don't think that's a bad score. Rosenstrike technically outlanded him by uh, a- an 18 to 13 margin, according to UFC stats. So technically, there's a volume metric that supports it. It's not a bad score. It was a close fight. Uh, but then yeah Sagano got blasted in the next round that's Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I I like Rosa Strike but I I like JDS a lot so it was kind of sad to see it cuz yeah. especially cuz I kind of saw it coming. <laughs> yep. I I called it last week. And then the other round uh, this was in oh uh, definitely the worst fight of the night. Lavinia Souza getting the win unanimously over Ashley Yoder. There was a, a kind of an uproar online about whether Yoder should have won or not. People didn't like the 130-27 score. Uh, that came from Dave Hagan, but how did you have round three here, which was kind of you know coming off of two rounds that Souza had won?
1: I gave it to Souza. I thought she was the one that was actually fighting. Seemed to me Yoder, okay. Yoder seemed to be more more into the clinch against the cage type uh, deal.
0: Okay, so people wouldn't like you either. That's good to yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> come at you, bro. Uh, no, I went Yoder here though, uh, and I I really toyed with Yoder getting honestly either of the first two rounds. I thought they were close enough. There just wasn't a ton of action in this fight. We don't have to talk about it much longer, but yeah, I thought Yoder had a good case for this round, had a good case, honestly, to win the fight, but but she didn't, so it is what it is. But uh, Mike Bell and Junichiro Kimidra, they were the ones who saw it for Yoder here. But there were three fights, actually, where the judges, they nailed it, and that was Danny Chavez getting a unanimous 29-28 over TJ Brown, and Mirab Davalashvili, he got 30-27s across the board against John Dodson, Got the win there. Good performance from him. And then in a re- fight that ended in round two by TKO, Daniel Pineda beaten up on Herbert Burns, who missed weight pretty badly. And he got a 10-8 in round one from all three judges.
1: Yeah, on second watch, that's justified. I thought it would yeah, be a
0: 10-8. I think both of us, when we were watching the first time, you yeah. actually were leaning more toward I was, uh, 10-8 but... originally. But yeah, I I went 10-9 here, and and I definitely agree it's a 10-8 round on yeah. the um, second watch.
1: Played that one safe shouldn't should never do that
0: never <laughs> no be bold so let's talk about the finishes here you know we had five out of eleven finishes it was a good finish percentage obviously you you believe in that small cage uh being cause for this three of them were in the first round what was your favorite
1: Verna Janjidoba arm barring Felice Herrick, uh very good great technique you know this is the first time herrick's ever been finished and you know I do want to point out for some reason Herrig's in mount and she goes. Puts uh, she goes to scoop an underhook under the leg that's mounting her, completely leaving herself defenseless against the armbar, and you know Janji Doba capitalized on it.
0: And I'd like to add that this was the fifth armbar finish by a woman fighter in the UFC since late June. Uh, it's getting pretty commonplace. So I don't know about how betters feel about that. You know, I, I think probably a lot of betters probably feel like, oh, these these should be going to the distance. You know, women's fights often go to the distance, or they end by armbar. Just think about it.
1: Rousey effect.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh for me though, my favorite finish though was was actually Pineda getting the the yeah, I mean, he just crushed Burns, especially from once he gets that crucifix position at the end and he's laying down those those little tight elbows. You know, I, I always love to see somebody finish it from the crucifix because you, you yeah, just was... you see the guy at the bottom, he's just so helpless.
1: So helpless. I mean, now might have been pushing a 10 7. It was on that level of dominance and damage I, I don't and duration. Know about that,
0: but yeah, Burns Burns had nothing. He had nothing in the yeah. tank for this fight. So maybe he came in with an injury. Maybe he just had a bad weight cut and he couldn't get down. He made it to, I think, 149 and a half pounds, and then he just stopped. So not very close to the featherweight limit there. No. Uh and and Pineda, he, he gets that kind of uh that fine money too. He he made some, he made a pretty penny on this one. Welcome back to the UFC.
1: Yeah, I'll always take it. Twenty percent of some guy's purse.
0: Now before we go, a little bit of kind of I don't want to call it sad news, I guess, but this was kind of an unfortunate development in Uh, the co-main event here Sean O'Malley losing to Marlon Vera getting his first loss now when we were watching this all live everyone was kind of thinking oh you know this was something where he maybe stepped wrong and he just kind of hurt himself in some sort of non-contact fluky injury not the case as we saw throughout Sunday where we really identified it right Dan
1: yeah I mean Twitter's been quick to point out that this was no fluke win props to Cheeto putting the sugar show on hiatus for a bit
0: and the way it really worked out was, and honestly, for me, the person who tipped it off to me was Marcel Dorf, uh, the, the reporter from the Netherlands. Uh, the fact that Vera lands this kick, I think it was about 254. It was like, it was like around the three-minute mark. Uh, it was a low kick, calf kick, I think. And after that, you can see O'Malley step back. And, and every step he takes with that right foot from then on is, is ginger. It's weird. It, you can tell he's hurt. So, I mean, that was a fantastic kick by Vera, too, because O'Malley was actually laying some good calf kicks down early in the fight.
1: Yeah, the, he says he uh, throws a lot of kicks and he's, his feet are always injured. I hope this doesn't become a, a, a thing where you can't rely on him to make it through fight.
0: No, I don't. I, you know, you hate to see a kid with such promise uh, get snake bit like that. You know, he, he's a very talented striker. I, I like watching him in the cage. I You know, take him or leave him as far as the, you know, all the other stuff he does. But in the cage... I really appreciate what he brings to the table, so I hope this is something that doesn't just kind of limit his career prospects.
1: Yeah, but uh, you know, props to Vera, great win for Prop him. Props to
0: Vera and good stoppage from Herb Dean here. Some people were kind of wondering if it was too quick, but I mean, Vera landed some awesome, savage elbows. That yeah, th- those are those are big. That was a good stoppage. So credit to you, Herb Dean. You you did a good job here. And that sound means we're done with UFC 252. The Capside Judges will return later in the week to look ahead to this coming Saturday's UFC Apex action, headlined by Pedro Munoz and Frankie Edgar in the answer's bantamweight debut. As always, we'll have more than that in store for you. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Scott underscore Fontana, and my DMs are open.
1: Catch me on Twitter at DanUrbanMMA. We hope you enjoyed the show. See you Friday morning. Later, guys.